Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to the 200th episode of The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. We had a feeling, to be honest, that something would happen. And I'd been reading a lot of the news, especially international news, you know, with predictions of, you know, if a war breaks out, there would be millions of refugees. And we, we talked about it. And we're like, you know, we could, we could fit somebody in. That's Kasia Smith, who lives just south of Warsaw in Poland. Kasia and her husband, Jordan Smith, wanted to help refugees from Ukraine. So they opened up their home to families fleeing the war. Since the invasion started, more than 1.7 million people have fled to neighboring Poland. And I'm like, we got to do something. And we did. So we're like, we got to take people in. And since we've done it, yes, it's been very chaotic, but I feel so good about it. Like, it's been really good to do something very, you know, concrete and very, you know, tangible, like taking people in and giving them shelter and, and, and keeping them safe. Kasia spoke to Globe reporter Catherine Blazebaum. Today on The Decibel, the story of three Ukrainian families and the people who welcomed them into their home. Catherine, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me back. So just to get started here, who is Kasia Smith? So Kasia Smith is a Polish-Canadian woman. She was uh, born and raised in Canada. She spent most of her life in Ontario. She moved to Poland with her husband, who is a New Zealander Canadian, uh, about five years ago to start med school, um, kind of her second career in life. She already has three kids, um, aged six, eight, and 14. And so this family of five uh, has taken in nine Ukrainian refugees and counting, actually. Um, so wow. they've taken in three families uh, so far, uh, three Ukrainian mothers and their children. They each have two children. Wow. And and so Kasia's is in Poland. Uh, does, does she speak Ukrainian? How, how, how is the connection there, I guess? So she doesn't speak Ukrainian. However, she does speak Polish. And Polish and Ukrainian are similar enough, I gather, that the uh, refugees and the and Kasia can, you know, sort of get by. Um, there's also one of the Ukrainian refugees, Lilia, speaks a little bit of English, which helps. And then when they're really stuck, they just resort to using Google Translate on their phones. So I reached the women at uh, Kasia Smith's home in Poland and I uh, was able to speak to the women um, through an interpreter, um, a woman at the Globe named Roma, an editor here, was able to provide interpretation services for us because I don't speak Ukrainian and the women um, don't don't speak English enough or well enough for us to converse that way. How do you want to do this? Am I speaking while she's speaking? It's probably easier if you want to sort of summarize as best you can instead of trying to do like a live yeah, translation. Yeah, because I won't be able to listen, right. Okay. One of the women that you, you spoke to, her, her name is Yana. Can you tell us a little bit about her? Yana is a 31-year-old woman from Ukraine, and she fled the country with her two children, Darina, who is four months, and her son, Danya, who is three years. And they made their way into Poland about two weeks ago. And just just wanted to sort of note that um, in, in the story, uh, and as well as I gather for um, this interview, we have used only the women's first names, and that's for safety reasons. Uh, for the most part, the husbands and 
and, and relatives are back in Ukraine taking part in the resistance. Roma, maybe we can learn a bit about how Yana got out of the country. So she's saying that there was a bus that took them from Vivanovskius to pretty close to where the uh, border was. And then there was a car that took them a bit further, but then there was a point at which um, that you couldn't, they had to walk. And she said there was masses and masses of people and shouting and crying and confusion. And they walked the last 10 kilometers uh, on foot carrying the kids. And then they crossed over on foot. Uh, I tried to get her to explain where it's called Rusheva. Her husband was in Poland working. And so they came to Poland. But her husband, it turns out. That's Kasia Smith again, the woman who's housing the refugees. We were excited because she's like, listen, after like the two days after she'd been here, like my husband's actually in Poland. Could he come here? And, I, and we thought, yeah, great. Like, yeah, bring him over, like reunite a family. That would be amazing. He, so he made his way over. And we were happy because at first they told me that originally the plan was they were going to move to Poland anyway, because this husband had this job and he would, they were saving up money for them to move. But, you know, then she was pregnant with their daughter. So they decided to wait until after the daughter was born. So he hadn't met his four month old daughter yet either, because, you know, it was far, it's expensive. He went to Poland when she was just two weeks pregnant, a half a month pregnant, she's saying. And so he's been there for a year. So he hadn't met her. Uh, she said he got there at midnight and he uh, he lay and watched her sleep for the whole night because he had never laid eyes on her before. But then he pulled me aside and he's like, listen, I'm not staying. I'm going back to Ukraine to fight because it turns out he had been a soldier for three years in the Ukrainian army. And he said, you know, and he fought in the Donbass region in 2000 and what was it, 16, he said, and he's like, listen, I, I can't sit back watching my old army buddies fighting. My brother is fighting. My friends have all joined up. I can't, with my experience, I can't stand back and I have to go back. So, you know, he didn't break it to his wife till the next day. Of course, she was really upset, but um you know, she understood, I guess, but like he was so stressed out. I reckon I've never seen someone chain smoke so much in my life. So the expectation had been that they would stay there and that they would, he totally would work and that they would be there. And he said instead that he has uh, fought in Ukraine before and he understands what this war is and that he was going back to fight. You know, we told him, like, listen, of course, we understand. And we promise, well, you know, we'll take care of your wife and kids. As long as need be, like, they can stay with us. We'll we'll take care of them. Like, I don't want to make her upset, but I'm just wondering, like, did she think that she's going to get to go back home? Like, is there anything she left behind that she wished she'd brought? She said, what else would I have taken other than my children? That's all I need to take. And... Like, what gives her hope right now? That she'll go home one time, one day, that she will go home, that she'll return home. 
She really, really, really wants to thank Katya that she took them in and she's helping them and she's overwhelmed with gratitude. I have to say, just even watching Katya, the reaction of the Polish people has been just astounding. It's been really amazing. Yana and her kids, of course, are not the only people who are, are living at, at Kasia's place now. Who, who else did you speak to? So in addition to Yana and her two children, there's also uh, two women who are actually cousins. That's Lilia and Luda. They also happen to be 31 years old, which is just sort of a funny coincidence that all of the mothers there are 31. And they all have two children. She's <laughs> So my understanding uh, is that Lilia and Luda lived in the Lutsk area uh, in sort of western Ukraine. Um, and while that area, for the most part, didn't really come under siege until actually this past weekend, um, my understanding is that there was, however, an explosion of some kind at an airstrip near Lilia's home. So they left the very first day, she said, because they live um, in Lutsk, they live next to a, uh, uh, next to a war aerodrome, but they live next to something that got bombed. So the very first day, there was four uh, rockets that landed. So there was horrible explosions. Uh, she said she lives on the eighth floor and they, the sound of it woke them up and they were horrified. She said the, the windows were, were moving and it seemed like the entire apartment was shaking. She said intuitively it's like you, you know that it's the start of the war, but you actually just can't believe it. Wow. I mean, that, that, sounds, that sounds pretty scary. How, how did they end up crossing the border after that then? He drove them there and then on foot or how did that work? So in all of the women's cases, my understanding is that they all either got rides, whether it was, you know, Luda's husband or in Yana's case, I believe that she ended up on a bus, basically. Um, they all got sort of close to the border. Um, and then uh, they, they, there was so much traffic at the border, just such a long line of cars that they got out and walked and uh, walked, as I understand it, up to, up to like 10 kilometers. Lilia and Luda, you know, with one child as young as 22 months and the oldest being uh, nine years old, um, you know, themselves walking uh, towards the border. And at this point, the women told me that the um, they weren't allowed to cross the border on foot. So everybody was just sort of jumping into strangers' cars to, to cross the border at this point. It was so early in the war that I think walking across the border wasn't totally happening yet. And so they all just sort of, you know, uh, jumped into vans um, and crossed the border that way. And what about their partners? Where are their, their husbands now? So uh, Yana's husband, Vitaly, uh, you know, said hello to his family in Poland and went back to Ukraine. And then uh, Luda's husband, as I understand it, is also um, back in Ukraine. Lilia, I didn't... Uh, she didn't want to talk about her um, husband's situation, so I'm not totally clear on on where he is. But from what I understand so far, and I am in in sort of you know constant touch with Kasha and the women, the men are alive and their relatives are alive. 
How are Lilia and Luna doing in Poland so far? This is a big change, I would imagine, from their everyday life. So how has it been going for them? Um, you know, they they wanted to leave for the sake of their children. They felt it was no way for those children to live their lives hearing, you know, the sounds of of explosions and the um, the sirens going off and running up and down to bomb shelters. So I think they are glad to be out of Ukraine. They desperately want to go home. They are holding it together for the sake of their kids. Um, but you can just tell that they're sad and they're worried and they're anxious and they don't know what's going to come next. It sounds like the little boy had a birthday party there. Did you hear anything about that? Yeah. So Vladik, he uh, he turned six on March 10th. Um, and so Kasha wanted to make his birthday feel special. And so she went and got um, balloons for his birthday and she wanted yellow and blue, the colors of the Ukrainian flag. But the shop uh, had one blue balloon left and accidentally popped it when they were blowing it up. And so she ended up with a bunch of, of yellow balloons and purple because purple was the next best thing. Close, so close enough. Close yeah. enough. What are they going to do like tonight or today to just, I don't know, maybe take his mind off of it? I don't know if that's even possible. I don't know. She said she did an amazing celebration. Kasia. She told her it's not necessary, Kasia. You don't have to do anything. Kasia said it was very important for a child and she ordered a cake and she did a big celebration and presents. Yeah. She said he got balloons. See, I learned a word. There you go. <laughs> he said that he under, she understands everything because when they were wishing him a happy birthday, he said, thank you, but I just want there to be no war. I just need peace. So he understands. He said, thank you, but I just want there to be peace mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. like that's what he wants for his birthday ukrainian relatives called him from ukraine to wish him a happy birthday and he said thank you but what i really want is for there to be no war you spoke with them a few days ago now Catherine. how have they been doing how have they been doing since then so i actually spoke with uh kasha on monday morning and um you know she was filling me in on how things are going uh she sounded a little bit tired but her group of ukrainian refugees has actually grown since i uh wrote my first draft of the story um on sunday night she was at the train station picking up a 17 year old boy and he had crossed over from Ukraine, um, leaving behind his mother and his 18-year-old brother because the 18-year-old brother had to stay, uh, you know, um, adult men aren't currently allowed to leave and the mother didn't want to leave him alone. So now she's got a 17-year-old boy in addition to the three Ukrainian families she already has living there. Do we know how long everyone's going to be staying there in, in, in Cash's house? I think nobody knows how long this is going to go on for. And I also think nobody knows what they may or may not be able to go home to. And so, you know, the way Kasha and her husband, uh, Jordan, are thinking about it is, um, you know, they think that this could be a while and they are fully prepared for it to be several months um, to the point where they have actually assembled and installed bunk beds into the space above the garage to better accommodate uh, Luda and Lilia's children who are and families that are up there so you know it could be it could be a while yet and kasha and her husband are prepared for that to to be the case wow 
This is a big undertaking for Kasha. These are a lot of people, literally strangers that she did not know, inviting them into her home. Why did she decide to do this? I had the same question for Kasha because, like you said, it, it's a big undertaking and it's, um, you know, it, it's a lot for her whole family. I mean, she's a medical student. She's in the in like the fifth year of med school. Her husband works. She's got three children of her own. Um, but uh, for Kasha, it was personal. So, uh, you know, Poland was a communist country and my dad and his father. So my grandfather absolutely hated living under the communist regime. But it was really difficult at the time to leave because people weren't allowed to hold passports. You had, to, if you wanted to travel anywhere outside of Poland, you had to apply for a passport, like a temporary passport to leave, and then you'd have to give it back when you came back. So eventually, my dad, it was him, his parents, and his sister were all able to get passports. And because they said they were going on a family vacation to visit friends in Hungary, but they actually made their way to Austria. And in Austria, they just stumbled upon a town and the mayor, I think, of this, of this little town took them into his own home. You know, he put them up in his home. He found them jobs in like a local motel or hotel or something. They just took care of them and they kept in touch for years, for years. And then when my parents ended up in Canada, they also in turn would help others coming you know, from Poland mostly, but also from other places. My great uncle had made some money and he lent them money and they bought a hotel in Newmarket. And, and then my dad, you know, he also became a CA. So he would often do like, he did taxes for people for free. It was always like, just like a value, I guess. We grew up with it, you could, if you can, you should help people. Okay, that's it for today. And like I mentioned at the start of the episode, this is number 200 of The Decibel. We want to thank each and every one of you for listening, following the show, and sharing it with your friends. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Michal Stein helped edit this episode. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks also to Roma Lutziu for her translation in this episode. And thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.